This is episode number 15 with Stephen H. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. My name is Tibor Nagy, mindset and performance coach and the founder of Mindset Horizon. The mission of this weekly show is to reveal the disruptive mindset of purpose-driven entrepreneurs, high performers, visionaries, and change makers, so you can transform your mindset, realize your full potential, and execute on your dreams. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now let's get started. Welcome back everyone to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Before introducing today's guest, let me guys tell you about a free mindset transforming coaching opportunity that I decided to provide for my listeners. If you ever wanted to experience coaching and you feel that your mindset, fears or limiting beliefs might be holding you back from reaching your full potential, maybe it's about starting your own business or scaling your business, now this is your chance. Go ahead and book your free one-hour session with me at mindsethorizon.com forward slash free. The session is going to be prepared with a pre-coaching form, questions sent to you prior to the session so that we can bring the best out of our time together. So go ahead and secure your place at mindsethorizon.com forward slash free. Again, this is mindsethorizon.com forward slash free. Looking forward to talking to you, and now let's dive into the episode. My guest today is Stephen H., and in this episode, Stephen and I deconstruct incredibly important topics such as happiness, the aim of life, reframing fear, compassion, and surrender. And now a couple of words about today's guest. So Stephen H. has been involved in some form of physical training since the age of 10. He started Taekwondo, got his black belt at the age of 14, and went on to teach as a third Dan instructor for 15 years. He also studied Kung Fu, weapons, gymnastics, Qigong, and many other styles. He was one of the first users of kettlebells in the UK and one of the leading resources and instructors. He has coached internationally, competed, trained competitive athletes, created the first ever rep CPD course, the first instruction and train along DVD, coached the military, police, rock bands, and even helped companies design kettlebells for safe use. At the age of 34, he started weightlifting and soon developed a passion for this pursuit. He achieved four British championship titles as a master's lifter, qualified for the world championships, and coached in Europe. His love of group training also led to British and world records in all-round weightlifting. He has a degree in psychology, a master's in strength and conditioning, and after taking some time out to explore the mind, realized the best use of our time is to get the mind in a great place with awareness and personal development, then take ownership of our health and the rest falls into place as we have solid foundations to build upon. He now coaches athletes, business owners, and coaches looking to master the inner game, own their health, and then have a huge impact during their time on this amazing journey. So without further ado, let's welcome today's guest. Hi, Stephen, and welcome to the show. Hello, and thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. Such a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, As I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, um, you are a mindset coach and a kettlebell coach, as far as I know, uh, but you will tell more about that, and uh, the founder of the Strength Academy. And there are a lot of interesting topics that I want to dive into. 
connected to the mind and uh, uh, mindset and how the human brain works. But before we do that, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? What is it that you do? Why do you do it? Which is an interesting question, but I'm really interested. I, I like that part, yes. <laughs> yeah, so what do you do? What is it that you currently do? Why do you do it? And how did you get there? Okay, so you covered half of it. There's a few bits missing, so let me fill in the gaps. Um, yep. I think it's best if we go back to my kind of what sparked my love of training, and that would have been joining Taekwondo at the age of 10 which I did for about 26 years. I then mixed that in with Kung Fu, um, some of the internal styles, Shaolin, five animals, weapons, gymnastics. I was pretty much a full-blown ninja turtle in training. Um, And if I'm honest, I really enjoyed it. And I think not only was it for the physical fitness, the confidence, but for me it was also, I realized this later on, ironically, it was such an important part of the mental game, that mm-hmm. discipline of, of pursuit, of <clears throat> chasing your own level of excellence, um, not perfection. We can cover that later if you want. But yeah. kind of, you know, seeing what it is that you can push yourself to and achieve. And that then branched out into the strength side, covering uh, – kettlebells covering um, Olympic weightlift and also as a competitive athlete at the perfect age of 34 when most lifters have retired, um, <clears throat> branching off into strength and conditioning, amateur strongman, the Indian clubs, grip training. I, I was pretty much full on with the physical side. And then the proverbial penny dropped, for want of a better term, because i had had this fantastic engine that could do many things. I'd even landed a couple of British and world records in all-round weightlifting, Mm. some championships here, championships there. I'd been flown out internationally to coach. And I asked myself, are you happy at the grand age of 38? And realized that the answer was no. So what I did is I reflected on what I achieved physically. Now, obviously, a huge part of physical achievement comes from the mental game of showing up, of being consistent, of being able to stick to a course of action that's goal-oriented. When you hit bumps or wobbles, you recalibrate. It's that, it's that constant single step forwards each time in the pursuit of what it is you're after. So what I did is I... I said to myself, I think this was really my first insight into my own ability to work things out and make progress. I took on board a lot of information from very clever people, documentaries, TED Talks, books, workshops, seminars, um, filled up a Kindle with, you know, neuroplasticity, epigenetics, science, brain, meditation, Mm. motivation, you name it, I was in there doing the research. And then I, I I looked at it from a slightly different perspective, almost a a fast track, if you will, because it is very easy to get lost in that world of I need more information to be a better person. I think we'll we'll look at that a little bit later as well. So I, I turned it around and I said, well, if you've achieved what you've achieved physically, driven by the mind, what would happen if you focused your efforts on the mind? went into a different gym because what we've got is 
we've got this glorious vehicle with a master computer that not many people realize has a, a driver's seat, shall we say, and a, a manual. So yeah, you can, actually, manual. you can actually begin to understand. I mean, by default, for most people, and obviously that's a generalization, I'd say that bell curve of your, your average person most of the time, for most people, they have no idea that there is actually a part in their inner world, in their you know life, shall we say, where instead mm-hmm. of a thing happening and they react to it and then get angry at what just unfolded and how they feel, they can take a level of ownership in that through awareness, through analyzing cause and effect, <laughs> behavior, consequences, <clears throat> rewinding to see what the initial trigger was and then looking at maybe was there a different or better response. And for me, that was a game changer because the effort I'd put into the physical training, I then put into the mental training. I looked at who I had around me, what were the consequences of my behaviors, why I felt shy with new people, why I had a a, a fear of public speaking, which I think we, we, we mentioned on our call previously, we call it the wobble of public speaking now. Fear, fear is a very yeah. different beast, which we'll cover later. Yeah. And I can honestly say that life turned around pretty fast because what I'd done through physical training, through the education I'd had, through my interaction with people, through through comparison, through many, many things, I'd largely built this suit of armor that I thought protected me. But when mm-hmm. people build walls, you've got to consider that prisons aren't for keeping others out. They're for keeping you in. And that's a very important paradigm shift because the safety that I'd built from this suit of armor was actually killing me. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I'm very fortunate that I worked that out when I did because I'm well aware of what happens if you don't ever understand your behaviors at a level where you're able to look at their long-term consequences. And if I'm honest, this is why there's such a prevalence of addiction, distraction, suicide, um, celebrity entertainment, binging on Netflix, you know, not, not waving any fingers. My, my job as a coach is really to do one of two things. <clears throat> to either stop people in their tracks or to get them moving. So you're either moving towards what you honestly will admit is progress or you're reflecting on sabotage on the consequences of your behaviors that cause suffering and empowering yourself to have different options. So why do I do what I do? <clears throat> if I'm honest, my job here is very simple. I'm here as a, a coach, uh, guide, catalyst, you know, the labels are relevant. My job is largely to help people to see the parts of their map that they currently operate from that would serve them, but as yet are unknown. And what I mean by that, it's being able to pause, reflect and choose instead of being I'm not sure the word triggered is, you know, that's probably, you know, that's certainly been misused and abused recently. <laughs> yeah. uh, when something pushes you, shall we say, and there's mm-hmm. a reaction and you feel that shift in biochemistry and, you know, your 
edging towards Hulk mode, dare we say, where you know the lid's going to fly off and you go crazy. <clears throat> Realizing that most of the time that does not serve you. You've got to be able to empower yourself with alternatives. And that's where a lot of this work comes in because for me it's a very simple journey. The path is awareness and the destination is inner peace and whatever that looks like for the individual. And this largely comes around from entering into that control room, which I mentioned earlier. So Mm -hmm. you are aware of your behaviors. You are aware of their consequences. You are aware of the language, the inner voice, your critic, the nervous system that's keeping you safe at all costs, the influence that the outside world is having on you in terms of the social circles you are a part of, and largely what you can do about that because that is awareness. All change comes from awareness. Awareness gives you choices. Awareness gives you the ability not to react habitually with this knee jerk where we then sit there with our thoughts for hours on end afterwards saying, I can't believe I did that. Why do I do this again? What's wrong with me? How did I end up in this same situation? Almost kind of Groundhog Day, this repeat thing. And the only way out of that is to really understand how powerful you are. Mm. Because if you see yourself as an extra in your own movie, you'll live accordingly until you realize that you are actually the architect of your entire life. So Mm. rather than being the effect of what happens randomly internally and externally, it's written from your hand, from your actions, which stem from your thoughts, which largely come from your belief system. Uh, I mean, that's 10 minutes. Does that give you a a brief insight? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just didn't want to interrupt you, but there are so many great insights. And uh, I just uh, took some notes and um, I wanted to get back to your question, for example, when you ask yourself, are you happy? Like, how did you actually answer this question? I Yes, that, I mean, that's a very important part because yeah. what usually happens there is there's a reaction. Because if you ask, if, if you were to have a conversation with 10 people and ask mm. them how they are, you'd get fine, okay, not too bad. So we've got this reaction for specific situations. There's almost a default, here's, here's, the, here's the calls and let me fill in blank. How are you today? I'm not too bad. Yeah. If yeah, I'd yeah. have answered that question as a reaction, Steve, are you happy? I'd have possibly thought about my achievements, my education, the fact that I've got a wonderful family. You know what? Life's good. It's not too bad. I mean, you know, I'm not starving. I'm not living under a, you know, a sheet of cardboard somewhere under a bridge. Yeah. You know, to put it into perspective, I had to stop myself answering that question. As strange as that sounds, and this is the beauty of mindset, There's no right or wrong. There's just feedback and learning. So when I answer that question, instead of looking at what I had and what I'd achieved and the fact that, you know, I've been lucky enough to to travel many countries and do some wonderful things, you know, to coach internationally, Mm -hmm. I stopped. And instead of going, well, yeah, I don't really have anything to complain about, I let that knee-jerk reaction disappear so that that question could sink past my security guard and really hit the depths of the abyss of 
who I am as a person. <clears throat> and I kid you not, it probably took two to three minutes. So I, I asked the question and I sat there and I resisted the temptation to immediately answer it. And what mm. came back two to three minutes later was a very profound and brutally honest no. Mm, yeah. And that for me was was the game changer because I think that's the first time I'd actually hit the brakes on the the train that is my current life journey. Mm. And from outside looked in and said, "Who are you kidding?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, surely you're in a you're in a position to be able to look at this objectively and realize that it's not going to help you or anyone else if you continue mm. the journey. What, yeah. what is it you really want? What is it mm. what's your life purpose? What's your what's your passion? What fires you up? Mm. What do you want as as you mentioned as a legacy? If that's your thing and if it isn't that's absolutely fine. And ironically, I came around full circle because if we just spend a few minutes looking at the mindset work, so I'd gone literally from from full physical, yes, although driven mentally, it was almost an unaware mental discipline. You know, literally the same mental discipline that can stick someone in a basement playing Warhammer for 14 hours a day with a level 9,000 wizard. You know, is that discipline? Absolutely. Is it of benefit to your life? You know, not to judge anyone. If you're paid as a gamer, fantastic. If you've got a YouTube channel that earns you money, great. If that's your thing, wonderful. Mm. If you're escaping the real world in case they don't like the person that you really are because you've been pretending for so long, then it's maybe time to, you know, (laughs) do something about that. And this is the the beautiful thing about this, this work. It gives you options where you don't need permission to be you. So to add in a very important dimension here, I'd gone from full physical in the gym. I mean, at some point during my martial art years, I was training four to five hours a day. I was Mm -hmm. full on. Um, I'm fortunate that I can still stand up straight and walk unburdened. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's the danger. There's a very good book called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers, and I I call it The Dark Side of Inner Peace. Because mm-hmm. if you've seen the film Gravity, uh, yep, on the they're on a space, uh, it's a space station or some kind of yeah. satellite or whatever it is. And obviously, yeah. when you when you go out on a spacewalk, you've got this clip that ties you to the thing so that you don't disappear. Now, what can happen within a piece? And I can guarantee you that the people that coach this stuff are probably now nodding their heads. The dangers of too much inner work or over-focused inner work, shall we say, is that un, you know, at some point you can actually begin to drift away from that space station and almost not care because you're in such a state of, I now understand the mechanisms of most of my suffering that there almost becomes no purpose to life. And if I'm honest, you have to have actually ex- explored that to understand another section of your map that becomes a valuable teacher because you literally almost have no problems. You are not the extra in someone else's tragic movie. You do not pick up the hot coals. You don't take stuff personally. You understand your inner dialogue. You are not your own worst enemy. You're not judging people. And unfortunately, that flicker, that zest for life can really go out because it's almost 
you've you've achieved something. You you mentioned on the sheet that you sent through the goal being happiness. I wouldn't mm. say the goal of life is happiness. And obviously, a few people now are thinking, "Well, what's, what's that all about?" Surely, it's happiness. That's what we we thrive and aspire for. You've got to remember that happiness as a peak state isn't a constant. Yeah. If you yeah. are addicted to a feeling, you're going to constantly chase it, largely at the expense of being present. Now, there are wonderful mm. things in this world that you can do that create a peak experience, mm -hmm. which do that because they are infrequent. <laughs> you know, if you need to go on a roller coaster 50 times a day or jump out of a plane every two hours, I would maybe, you know, Get, get some stuff looked at by a professional in the nicest way <clears throat> because we can get addicted to these feelings which aren't meant to be constant states and obviously that then leads to kind of drug, alcohol and other stuff. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hitting at here is there is a danger of doing too much inner work and not realising that as a mind-body, it's the unity, it's the connection, it's the balance, it's the harmony between physical and mental which is now the crux of my work because it's no good having inner peace and awareness in a broken vehicle that you hate. And it's no good being super fit and super strong if you're angry at the world and hate yourself. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I it's, think that's it's so a big important. Danger. I, I would rather be reasonably fit you know not not kind of dropping dead running for the bus or playing with my children in the park you know i'd rather have reasonable strength and fitness and the awareness to own my choices and i was i was very careful there not to say reactions <clears throat> be no. you know, be aware enough to own my choices in most situations you know i'm not a robot Someone may get a few choice words if they nearly knock my car off the road and I've got three children in the back. You know, I don't sit there and go, um, Buddha bless you kind of thing. You know, <laughs> I'm human and, you know, I'm not here. Hopefully people get to see the human side. Yes, I was a driven athlete. Yes, I am a mindset coach that largely is at peace most of the time. But I'm also a human. And the important thing here is to realize that the way you, you feel, the way that you think, they're all okay. Beyond our judgments and our labels, negative and positive, and this yeah. is such an important part of the work. You know how you feel is never wrong; it's feedback, and I think that is such an important step in removing the judgment and the, the suffering of of not being able to accept yourself. Wow! Talking about happiness, I wanted to get back for for a second. Like um, I fundamentally believe that. This word is abstract, like um, similar to success. So one should define uh, what happiness mm. happiness means to them, right? So yeah, sure. Because the work, uh, because the word is abstract, I should define what it means to me mm -hmm. if I reach this place or state or anything. Yeah. So what does it mean? Because asking, for example, am I happy? It also indicates. I'm missing happiness. Exactly. And if I'm honest, and, I think that that... And so you're not really aligned. Mm, I think uh, that, you that know. can quite often be a great indicator of asking the wrong questions. Yeah, yeah. So what I mean Absolutely. by that is I've had people that have, have asked me various questions, you know, as a coach, and I've, refre mm. I've reflected and kind of reframed them. I said, you're asking the wrong question. Why? Because... Not only have you set yourself up for failure, 
which obviously is another powerful word that we can look into as well later on. Yeah. The very act of seeking happiness confirms its lack. And I think that is such a game changer mm. because happiness yeah. isn't a constant state. It's it's almost defined as this level of, you know, a peak experience. You know, I feel really happy right now. I just had a great experience. I was with wonderful people. You know, we, we created a fantastic memory. I think rather than look at the peak states, which aren't consistent, I would look at raising the base level constantly. And what I mean by that is more presence and joy in your own life because of your existence. Mm. So to add mm. a little foundation stone there, mm. it largely comes back to gratitude. You know, you, you yeah. can want the supercar and the hyper successful business and the peak adrenaline rush. But the fact that you woke up this morning and can breathe and a million people didn't, you know, not teenagers that are going to rock up at 12 o'clock. <clears throat> I mean, people that are going to have a funeral at some point this week. The fact that you still have this miraculous gift. To me, you've won the game. There is nothing beyond the fact that you can breathe in this moment and by default are possibly loved by people and love people, you know, your, your circle of family and friends. It's so important to remember that as a foundation stone. Instead of what I need and what I don't have and who I have to become because I need to you know, lose this weight or get rid of this darkness or I've had these feelings, take a breath and reflect on the fact that you have an immense gift that anyone in the graveyard would take on board just to see another sunset or spend some time with their children. Yeah. And whatever you've got, cancer, a broken leg, a job that you're about to get sacked from, anyone in the graveyard would jump right into your shoes to spend another day on this amazing planet. <clears throat> and it's important to realize that because we rarely look in at what we have, we look out at what we do not have, and that creates a massive amount of suffering for us. Yeah, gratitude is really powerful. And, Absolutely. Um, You had great questions like what is it that you really want? What is it that uh, what is it that's really important to you, for example? I think it's very important to dig down there because it's an area yeah. that if you are unaware of, by default mm. you will look elsewhere, not realizing that you have a perfectly good toolbox for self-analysis yeah. and awareness, for looking at your triggers, for looking at I mean this this is the amazing thing with us compared to animals with a, with a prefrontal cortex frontal lobes. Mm. We can look at a potential path of action and its consequences and how we will feel once it's all unfolded and then work out whether or not we actually want that journey. Yeah. I mean this is an amazing gift. You you don't need teleportation and time travel and sci-fi movies. You can create that stuff yourself. <laughs> yeah. We can also create the horror movies. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The power of the mind. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, and we were talking about, um, yeah, awareness. And mm. um, I want to dive into different topics. So, one of, one of them is um, let's start with fear. So, and um, why do I want to start with fear is the reason that. As a coach and um, as this as the podcast host, I want to support mainly high achieving people, uh, entrepreneurs, sportsmen, and you are actually an incredible example um, to this topic because um, they are struggling with you know fear, yeah. anxiety. They want to. Uh, you mentioned public speaking. 
They want to present themselves. Yeah. They want to start their uh, business. They want to scale their business. They they want to put themselves out. I don't know, Facebook Live, YouTube video, whatever it is, but they have struggles, right? And mainly fear, different kind of. Absolutely. So for example, fear of dreaming at the very beginning of the project or the yeah. business, uh, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of being ridiculed. So we could dive into those different kind of fears, but firstly, let's start with deconstructing fear. So what is fear? I like, I like the way you mentioned that because that, that indicates to yeah. me that you know what's coming. <laughs> 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 right. Should, should we really take a a rocket launcher and hit fear in the bullseye? Yeah. For most people, it was never fear. And if I'm honest, I think one of the books I'll potentially write is It Was Never Fear because this is such an important part of my own journey of my mm-hmm. clients, my coaching, working with other coaches that now understand this at, at its base level. Fear is hardwired into a nervous system that for a very long time has a default program of keeping you safe and alive at all costs. Now, <clears throat> what happens when we mislabel a thing that isn't fear as fear? Mm-hmm. We go into that same state, that shift to the sympathetic nervous system, the fight, flight, freeze, arousal. You get that washing machine in the stomach, the, the tingles, the cold sweat, dilated pupils. Your muscles are fired. You are basically ready to run for your life or fight to the death. <clears throat> and the third option is freeze due to terror. Now, interestingly enough, If you're familiar with Greek mythology, there was an archetype or a personification, if you will, of absolute terror, and that was Medusa, the the good-looking lass with the snakes in the hair. Mm -hmm. And Medusa used to turn people to stone. Now, to turn people to stone is to petrify, which Mm -hmm. is also to terrify. When you are petrified, you are basically scared out of your wits and freeze by default, i.e., you cannot function because the gravity of the situation owns you. Mm, so mm. you've got to then look at where we use this label fear in a way that doesn't serve us but limits our options. Now, I'm here to tell you that there is no fear of public speaking. <clears throat> there is no fear of going live or posting content or having a job interview. Because when you own it at the level that it exists, you have your toe in the door and you are able to take an action step despite feeling nervous, uncomfortable, worried. Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. fear doesn't give you that option. If you are face-to-face with a tiger that is about to kill you, you do not step forwards to pet the kitty. You are terrified. You're silly if you're going to fight it. <laughs> you're probably even sillier if you're going to think you're going to run away. <clears throat> you would literally freeze thinking, this is where my life ends. Yeah. <laughs> you would see it flash before you. It's, it's a simple That's plan. for sure. And that's an important thing with this hardwired survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. Fear is the bio, neuro, chemical, logic, whatever it is. Fear is the consequence of a very real, and it is so important to emphasize that word real. Fear is the biochemical 
radar feedback neuro consequence of a very real situation in the now that could end your life or change every tomorrow you know if if you've ever been you know nearly in a head-on car crash there's that massive (gasps) breath and you you literally feel the adrenaline flood through the system where you are shaking you're in a heightened state of arousal Mm. that isn't what happens when you sit outside an office waiting for a job interview. It wasn't fear, and your mislabeling of it is now this downward spiral convincing you that you're a failure, life's terrible, and it's not even worth walking in in the first place because of what's going to happen. So the idea of this reframe is instead Mm -hmm. of closing every door, it begins to open them. So if we tie fear in with emotion and understanding our emotions, what I want people to start to do in situations that feel uncomfortable, that would potentially overwhelm them, that they would by default label fear. You know, I can't live stream on video. You know, I've got a big fear of doing this. Ask yourself a question. <clears throat> Could you, and this, I mean, feel free to nick these as coaches. These are such great questions for revealing what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. This live video that you are terrified of doing. Mm-hmm. Could you do it for a million pounds? <laughs> for sure <laughs> and if that doesn't float your boat maybe 10 million maybe a hundred maybe a billion what's the figure that's going to get this happening because if there is one it isn't fear mm. could you do this if one of your children went missing and you don't get them back until it's complete well absolutely it's a no-brainer well then it wasn't fear let me tell you true fear could you swim in that ocean with a hundred sharks that have not been fed for five days probably not (laughs) you'd be insane wouldn't you it's almost a death wish so the thing to understand is if the situation is a situation very real that could seriously impact your life or end it what you're feeling is probably fear because fear isn't a volume dial you know you don't have a three out of ten that's a little bit of fear because i can feel a tingle you don't have a five or a six that I can really, oh, yeah, you know, my, I, there's a tightness in my chest and I'm breathing heavy. There's a seven or an eight where I've got the cold sweats and, you know, my eyes are twitching. And then there's a yeah. ten where I, I, I can't even move. What you've got to understand is fear by default is always max. It's always one. There, there's no little bit of fear. There's no, oh, there's a tingle. That is very different, <clears throat> but it's just been labeled mm-hmm. wrong. That is, I'm nervous. That is... I'm full of doubt. That is, I'm scared. That is, I'm worried. And as I mentioned on our previous call, there's modifiers here because extremely nervous is very nervous, is nervous, is wobbly, is uncertain, is there's a little bit of doubt. Can I bring what is actually an 8 out of 10 instead of a 10 out of 10 down to a 5 or 6 by giving it its correct label and then realizing that despite its existence, I can still act and I'm actually okay because Mm -hmm. I'm not in a threat situation. And that's the beauty of awareness. It gives you options. Now, this thing with fear really changed when I lost my son in a shopping center for at least 10 to 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought that fear had entered my world multiple times with, you know, people, I had someone pull a knife on me, um, car crashes, accidents, you know, blown myself up a few times as an apprentice electrician working for the council. You know, I thought I'd had situations that were real 
fear until I lost my son in, in the shopping center. And if I'm honest, you know, this happened over two years ago. I couldn't tell this story for 18 months without bawling my eyes out in public. And that's not to impress anyone. That, that's to show the level at which this is, has impacted me as, as a father, as a human, and as a coach. Because I consider myself a very balanced mental and physical being. Mm-hmm. Never in my life have I had to hold on to a shopping rail to stand up and breathe. That is true fear. Why is it true fear? Because I wasn't in control. The situation owned me. In every other situation, I was able to take action. It wasn't mm. a threat that <clears throat> completely removed my ability to respond or, or act. And this yeah. is such a game changer for fear because <clears throat> when you have the ability to ask yourself, I'll give you a great example. Many coaches are terrified of social media, you know, content being judged, someone coming on your, your post and, you know, trolling you or live video. And, and let's be honest, if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. You do it again. But the thing with live video, let's be honest, the live video is probably the big, you know, the big elephant in the room, the big terror, if you will. Mm. Is it really yeah. fear or are you nervous and you'd rather not do it because you feel nervous? You know, this, this, is, this mm. is the game changer. When you stop mm-hmm. labeling a thing as fear that actually was never fear, you've got options. And the danger here is the more things that you have a fear of, the more no-go zones there are in your brain that by default will not only look at this situation and say, well, that isn't happening because of the consequences. It will then expand that map to similar things and your world and options will actually get smaller and smaller over time. <clears throat> For example, you don't talk to the person at the bar that you like the look of that could be a life partner because yeah. should that go wrong, your friends are going to rip you to bits for the next two weeks and you'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is the real danger of, of creating this Shakespeare tragedy that never exists where you're the only person on that stage suffering with no audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, your example with the live video is also uh, the ego came to my mind because um it's um, and when we talk about fear of being uh, judged or laughed at or something like that, our ego uh, gets in the way, mm. saying, "You shouldn't put this video out there because you are gonna be laughed at." Yeah. And you know, it's it's uh, it's like uh, the ego uh, says that who I am is what other people think of me, right? Absolutely. So yeah. I'm not gonna put that out there. I'm gonna stay in my comfort zone. Mm. Uh, you know, I cannot be judged. So it's, 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 yeah, it's, I don't know if it's fear, but um, uh, you're saying it's, it's not, it, it might be the ego. I would say, um, I, would both, say or, I would thinking, uh, I would say yeah. there's a very important thing to consider here. If I do nothing, I cannot be judged for anything. Yeah. Can I accept a life of nothing? That's the real question. Mm-hmm. Are you happy being this wondrous vessel that can explore the known universe, sitting mm. there in the pool, doubting your self-worth and value. <clears throat> yeah. That's so real, That's the real question. Are you here to hide in the shadows and be safe, or are yeah. you here for impact, for learning, for feedback? Now, let's be honest. A very important reframe here is to understand other people. 
which, let's be honest, are the biggest threat to most people, the, the shapeless mass of unknown that could come along and, you know, metaphorically burn your house down. <laughs> yeah. What you've got to consider is when they turn up with anger on your doorstep, they're angry and you're not. Mm. That That's a simple way of understanding it. <clears throat> when they turn up and they go out of their way to be nasty, they are simply revealing their hand of who they are. And they may not be a bad person. They may have just lost a family member in hospital. They may have been behind on their mortgage for three months. They may have an addiction problem. We don't know, but the worst thing we can do, and I think it's so important to understand this reactive mechanism, is mm, we fill yeah. in the gap so that we are either the hero or the victim. Mm. And neither of those work for us. <clears throat> so instead of filling in the gaps, can I extend some compassion to this person that I currently know nothing about other than a snapshot of an entire existence on this planet that's probably done many similar things to myself? Can I extend some compassion and not judge and leave them where they are? Mm. And what that does is that gives you back your power because we don't get angry, we surrender our peace. People can't make you angry, you have to surrender. Wow, surrender is, is a great word. I want to uh, talk about that as well. But before going there, I wanted to get back to this um, fear mm -hmm. of public speaking. So let's. I wanted to give you an example, and maybe we can come up with yeah, sure. some t tangible tips for the listeners. Like, let's imagine someone is standing in front of an audience. Right? This is um, he is about to give a speech. Mm -hmm. And 150 people, not too big, not too you know small, but yeah, it's it's an audience. So, and there's this um, phenomenon you mentioned, freeze, right? The person <laughs> yeah, yeah. freezes actually on the stage, mm -hmm. cannot move, cannot say anything. So, so what's in that situation? What can someone do in in such situations? If, if I'm honest, the best thing to do in that situation is realize that you cannot jump a chasm in two steps and that you haven't prepared fully for it. And what I mean by that is you do not break a fear of public speaking by walking on stage and speaking to 150 people. Now, that may work for the outliers, but for the bell curve, for the standard distribution, for 95% of people, that will mm -hmm. induce almost a real sense of terror and overwhelm. No, yeah, self-induced, yeah. not not an event that could end their life, but one that they've overthought to the level where they now have the physiological symptoms potentially of, of, of a real level of fear, a threat. What you do is you look at material that you're confident. Of. So let's use coaches. I work with a lot of personal trainers, people in the nutrition area as well, um, athletes. What I say to them is <clears throat> create a talk that you are very comfortable on, you know, 10 slides, a presentation. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. take several members through it and get objective, critical feedback. V film it so you can see where you maybe hit some bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. And then you expand it to 10 or 20 people, and then you expand that and expand that. Because what happens is you know, you've got people trying to build the 17th floor on their building, and they don't have the foundation stone in yet. <laughs> so you, know, you don't cure a fear of public speaking by doing a TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> it's I didn't know that take, you know, you've got people that are trying to rush to black belt and they can, can't do 10 press ups you've got to do your stripes you've got to do your yellow your green and it's you know you build up to this because it isn't a switch yeah. 
it's a conscious behavior that strengthens through through practice and effort. I had a fear of public speaking, and I'm using that word to describe how I would have labeled it 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I'd be at a conference or a workshop, and as it got to the person next to me telling you who they are, where they're from, and what they do, my heart is racing like I'm doing cardio. And I'm thinking, but you're in a safe environment. And that's the key thing here. You're in a safe environment with people and they're talking. And you teach Taekwondo to groups of people and you've gone to military bases and taught squaddies kettlebells and you've taught the police and you've taught. So how, how are you nervous in this situation? And it wasn't until I began to work on my material and deliver to small groups and then mm -hmm. Very fortunate, got to speak at some conferences and, you know, <clears throat> eventually up to 100 people plus. Mm -hmm. I took the necessary steps to bridge the gap to where I was and where I wanted to be. And you don't do that in one jump. Mm. But what I would yeah. say, you know, could I walk on stage? This is me being honest. Could I walk mm. on stage unfluttered in the presence of 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 people? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And you get some mind, oh, Steve, that's just your beliefs. You know, I come on, you can't trick a trickster. We know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to deny my, my, my own feelings and pretend. I've done that for far too long. I'm here to be raw and honest. Could I deliver a talk? Absolutely. I've done so many, many, many times, you know, possibly 60, mm -hmm. 78, 80 times now. Yeah. Would there be an element of nervousness? Absolutely. There, there, there's a nervousness. Now, this isn't a this isn't a bad thing, and it's so important to understand this. <clears throat> mm. Being nervous, I mean, you can't hide from it. When my Fitbit is on 50, and then when I stand up to do a talk and it's on 85 or 90, there is a change in my physiology that I can't hide or deny. It doesn't yeah. mean that I'm going to die or I'm a bad person. It means mm. that it's a natural reaction. You know, if you're in a if you're in a rock concert or whatever it is that's your thing. And all of a sudden, the person doing it called you up on stage. Your state mm. will change. I guarantee it. <laughs> Without yeah. doubt. Yeah. Your state will change. And the thing is, we've been taught, unfortunately, from loving people that knew no different, that you shouldn't feel like this, that it's bad, that it's you, you've got to fix it, there's something wrong with you. you. You know, if you are nervous, if you feel a sense of, of guilt if you are worried about it. This is all feedback and fine. The thing is, it's to look beyond the current feelings. Mm. Can I still act in spite of this? <clears throat> and that yeah. is the game changer because you can still step forwards when you're worried and wobbling. Yeah, it's really important to, to get aware, so awareness and then accept it and embrace it and move forward. So that's why it's important to... Definitely. To know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. To, so to go back to what you mentioned with the fear of, you know, the, the public speaking, which I now hope that people can label as a wobble or, and you know, I, I would rather hear someone say, I am really nervous about speaking in public rather than I have a fear yeah. of public speaking because what's going to happen is, you know, there's one person with you for, forever that's always listening and that's you. And as soon as you start an internal, an internal dialogue to the extent of, I'm terrified of public speaking. I have a real fear of pub. What you're doing is you are, you are basically building stronger walls around that thing that you will now never do by default because of the perceived consequences. You are, um, how to say, 
reinforcing those you absolutely yeah. you, you've got snipers up in the tower ready should you ever try to escape <laughs> so, yeah, so you know, how can I how can I modify this in my favor well mm. if I was to stand on stage to you know you, you mentioned 150 people with a thing you know not something I know nothing about with a thing that I am confident about you know speaking about for you know half an hour 45 60 minutes would I feel nervous? Absolutely. I'd, I'd probably feel very nervous. Yeah, but very nervous is okay because so would everyone else and you can still take action. Some of the world's best speakers still feel nervous before going on stage. Yeah, yeah. That, that, it's, yeah. it's almost default behavior because all of a sudden, you, you know, you've got thousands of eyeballs looking at you and you can't hide behind anything. When I was coaching weightlifting and kettlebells and, and taekwondo, I could hide behind my black belt and this, this thing that I was instructing, so it was more important than me, for want of a better term. You know, we were here to learn this equipment, and I'm just the resource to do that. But when there's you on a stage, all they've got is your knowledge and your method of delivery and your ability to answer questions. So that is literally you on show, you being vulnerable, you being at the mercy of their, dare we say, you know, judgments. Yeah. And that yeah. can be a tough pill to swallow because if you look at it from that perspective, that would that would terrify anyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, such a great topic. And um, you mentioned surrender, which I wanted to dive into a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, like, what what is this concept? Um, surrendering, how it looks like when someone surrender, and mm. yeah, what are your thoughts on surrender this? Surrender for me is such an important concept because. Um, Okay, let, let's do some, obviously, you know, no one will hear this until it goes live. So in real time with me now, I want everyone to take a massive breath like they're just about to retrieve something from the bottom of the swimming pool, yeah? So just go big breath and hold it. So I'm going to breathe out while I carry on talking, and I want you guys to continue to hold that breath for at least 20 to 30 seconds, obviously releasing it before your eyeballs start to pop out. Mm. Because that surrender is that release, that, that exhale to life, realizing that you don't have to suit yourself up in armor and pretend anymore. You don't have to lock yourself in fortified walls so that no one can get to you anymore and hurt you because you've potentially been hurt in the past. This isn't living. This is a prison sentence. And as soon as you surrender, I mean, in the grand scale, let's take this, <clears throat> let's zoom out to this glorious planet we call home. You hear these terms, it's a jungle out there. Life's, you know, the world's a tough or crazy or dangerous place. Well, if you listen to the news that has a very powerful agenda because positivity and the truth don't sell or get clicks or run affiliates and ads and everything else, you realize that you're seeing a percentage of a percentage of, you know, the nasty stuff that does happen. I, I believe people are inherently good. Take a million people, you're not going to find... 25,000 murderers you know you're going to find a handful take take this planet as a whole consider something your very existence is supported by it we've just held our breath for a, hopefully you've exhaled by now <laughs> <laughs> we may have some deep sea divers who knows um we did that for two reasons not only to understand the importance of letting go but more importantly the the number one thing for your survival mm. is the oxygen that actually comes from the trees on this planet that you call home. 
That, mm. for me, is the ultimate surrender because this place has your back. It's a symbiotic relationship. You're not some blemish living on this thing that's here to destroy you and you don't understand. You are here as a being. <clears throat> you are life on life. You came out of this planet. You are an extension of it. This is home and it supports your existence entirely. That is mm. surrender. That is the knowing. Wow. I mean, more importantly as well, a slightly different perspective on surrender. See, when you're born, you're a smaller version of you, so you could argue that you're not yet complete. I get that. <laughs> There's always people who want to split hairs. You know? <laughs> you, you're, you're complete. <clears throat> you're enough. You're loved. You're this tabula rasa, this blank slate that does learn racism, sexism, jealousy, anger, self-doubt, yeah. hatred guilt and shame now the reason i mention those is because at a certain stage in life if you can't surrender to the self that was before we were burdened with how we are supposed to look how we're supposed to ha behave when a teacher or a parent says that's not you that's johnny you know you're, mm -hmm. you're mimicking his behavior <clears throat> or oh, you'd, you'd look great if you lost some weight this kind of stuff you know yeah. You need to look, you need to behave, you know, you're, you're creating this map from other people that is almost this jigsaw Lego system of operating in the world. When you're strong enough to look at that in its entirety and throw most of it away because it doesn't serve you, that to me is the biggest surrender because it's the day that you begin to rely on yourself your instincts, your ability to rationally decide right and wrong from information presented. Um, I mean, how deep do you want to go with this? It's getting interesting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, beautifully said, and, and thank, thank you for sharing. Um, Pleasure. I mean, surrender is simple. If you can exhale because you know you're going to die, you can also exhale because you know that you're not living unless you're in alignment with who you are on this planet that isn't actually a threat to your very existence. And, and that, that's such an important thing to consider. What information have I taken on board during my journey that no longer serves me from well-intentioned people that I respected because they had a position of influence? A long sentence, but pretty much, you know, a, a, a way of living in and of itself. I think you'll agree. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was wondering... Um... Could you recommend a couple of books that uh, transform your mindset? Because we are actually um, getting to the end of this episode. We're closing into the finish. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would say there's um, there's a very good book um, that I read some years ago at the very start of my mindful awareness journey. And it's actually called The Mind Made Prison. Um, I cannot remember the guy's name. It's something like Matteo Tibadu. I think he's he's Mexican or he's, he's certainly South American. Mm -hmm. Mind Made Prison. Now, I haven't read that for, if I'm honest, probably six years. But at the time, the awareness I had, the person I was, the experience I brought to that moment, mm -hmm. that book almost laid a completely new map and foundation stone because it it educated me as to what I already had, but also what I was missing. And that's very important because instead of searching for lack, it's so important to understand what you already have and whether or not that serves you. Because quite often our biggest growth 
comes from unlearning rather than adding more information to someone that is largely possibly already overburdened and a bit confused. A very good one as well is Buddha's brain. Buddha's brain is more of the the science, the neurology of what's actually happening at a default behavioral level and why. Full of references for those of you that love the the evidence based approach. Um, you know, not not that I don't. I call myself middle of the road. I do not believe that everything I speak needs to have a reference attached to it because, um, if I'm honest, if we look at it briefly from the science perspective. You can rarely put a person in a room and get them to do the same thing across many, many situations when you deal with emotion, learning, behavior, and other stuff. I'm not not rubbishing science far from it. I've got a degree and a master's in science. But I understand that there's much more going on than just what we can limit to some room and a lab test. And I'm also not a big fan of the, you know, swinging dream catchers around in a field hoping that you align with Jupiter at some point so your life can be cleansed and healed from its darkness. You know, if that's your thing, great. But I would ask you to really question why is it that you've put your ability to change and own your life outside of you when as a cause and effect universe it can actually come from your hand as an active agent? To me, that that is personal empowerment. That is such a game. You know, if you're living on hope, how is that working for you? In 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 the nicest way, you know, people might think, "Oh, this guy can't stand him." Why? Because he wound me up with that sentence. <laughs> it's about having the the confidence to look at yourself and realize that you can actually make huge change in your life when you start to bet on yourself. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And um, I have a la- I have a last question for you, but before I ask, um, tell people where they can get in touch with you online. Oh, yeah, they can get in touch with me. So I'm Stephen H. That's A I S H, and I think there'll probably be some bits online. Um, find me on Facebook. What I will mention as well is there's um, there's a free course, a little gift. You mentioned if there's anything that you've you've got to give away for people. There absolutely yeah, is. Yeah. I did a free seven part video course. I call it the gift of awareness. It looks at thoughts, emotions, behavior, understanding what's actually going on in our world so that we are empowered to take action and change. That's on Vimeo as a showcase. I'll send you a link for that. And I'm sure, obviously, if this has resonated with you at some level and you'd like some more information, I think that would be a, a logical next step. There's probably a good hour or, or more content there that will go into similar and other versions at this level, my journey is simple. It's it's really allowing people to understand what they currently do not know and yet could serve them massively, not only in their own world, but also their interaction, friends, family, business. You know, it's mm. it's about stepping up, no longer hiding. If there is doubt and, and shame and guilt, you can still act in spite of that. I'm I'm here to have more switched on, alive, vibrant, passionate people share their gifts rather than take them to the graveyard where they serve nobody. Wow, amazing, beautiful. It said the links are going to be in the show notes, and I think you kind of like answered my last question, which would have been like, uh, what is your mission, purpose, um, and what is the legacy that you want to leave? Who are the people that you are serving uh, with your coaching and everything? Similar to yourself, I'm my, it's changed recently. My biggest buzz is 
coaching or guiding. Helping is a loose term because that, by default, people think they're broken. They're not. They're completely yeah, yeah. wobbly perspective. That's true. Language again. We don't fix what's broken because you're not broken as a human. Yeah. You've probably just got some bad programs running that need an update or removal. Yeah, totally <laughs> um, agree. For me, it's I love working with athletes that are at a high level because they realize now that their progress comes from mastering the, or at least understanding mastering is a way off, by understanding the inner game, particularly yeah. people that are performing at a sport that's quite long, you know, yeah, snooker, golf, tennis, endurance, that kind of thing, because the physical you can nail down with the gym, the nutrition and repetition, but the mental game, if you've got a long time to think and you will admit by default that your brain's a little bit all over the place with doubt and sizing up your competition and worrying about last season's injury, that's going to be with you for hours. That's going to cripple you. That is the game changer that's potentially going to ruin your game. And obviously business owners and entrepreneurs, because mm-hmm. what I see there is they've they've stepped up, they've made a statement, you know, I'm not happy going to work and a minimal wage to kind of struggle through life. Not that I'm pointing the finger at people that do. What I'm saying here is if you know that there is a bigger game inside of you and you are not honoring that, you will suffer until you step up. And for those people yeah. that have stepped up and you know, I take my hat off to you, it isn't easy. I'm here yeah. to help them to understand that when they have a mind that is aware enough to give them choices and a level of peace that they bring that to their relationships. They can also then begin to manage and own their health because let's be honest with a lot of entrepreneurs, sometimes the healthiest thing in their world is their bank balance and they are a train wreck and that isn't helping anyone. You know, it's no good being this spark that drops dead at 35 and Mm. never got to see your children or your grandchildren. Because if yeah. you were to see what you would have experienced, you'd completely change your life right now. Mm. And you can have both, right? So you can balance and, and inner peace. Yeah. That's 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 what you're talking about. That's you can really have cool. what you're willing to step up to achieve, or you get what you're willing to settle for. Wow, beautiful is said, and I um, yeah, thank you for for sharing this, and uh, thank you, Stephen. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me on. What is up, Mindset Nation? Thank you so much for listening and I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. And if so, please make sure to spread the word and share this episode with your friends. We are on a mission to build this community of Mindset Nation, so please make sure to go to iTunes, go to Stitcher and support us by rating and reviewing the show. And don't forget to subscribe as well. For more information about Mindset Horizon, simply visit our website MindsetHorizon.com and sign up to our weekly newsletter to get the latest information about new episodes, Mindset Transforming freebies, tips and insights. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, leave us a message, we'd love to get in touch with you and hear more about you. Alright guys, thank you so much for listening, take care and be limitless my friends.